0: Luke 15, 1-10 from the New Living Translation. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, when even one sinner repents. May God add blessing and understanding to his word.
1: Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please do turn back to Luke chapter 15, this very familiar passage. Uh, as we look at the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Now, this month is our month of celebration. And last week we celebrated Harvest Thanksgiving as well as it being our BB dedication. And we also dedicated ourselves afresh to God's service once more. Now, this morning and also on the 29th of October... Uh, We're going to pick up the theme of celebration from Luke chapter 15, uh, which is following the parables, really, that we've been looking at uh, with the children. Now, as we begin today, I've got a confession for you. It's good for the soul to confess, is it not? And the confession is this, I detest losing things. I detest losing things. When I was younger, I used to have a, have a bed uh, that had the, the storage underneath it. And it was a single bed and it had the kind of sliding doors. You know the kind of beds? they got the kind of sliding doors uh, underneath. And when I was a boy, it was rammed full. It was rammed full of toys and games and other bits and pieces. But then I would lose something. And I would have to hunt for it. And first of all, you went to your cupboard and you pulled out everything under the cupboard. And then it was under the bed. And you started pulling stuff from under the bed. And because it was small, you had to get in under the bed to get everything out to see if you could find what you were looking for. And so eventually, everything was just strewn all over the floor in the bedroom. There's nothing worse, is there, than losing something especially if it's something of value, either cost value or sentimental value. Now this morning we're going to look at these two parables that we've looked at uh, in the children's talk. And of course these parables contain things which are lost. But as well as being concerned with things that are lost, I hope that you noticed that there is rejoicing in these two parables that Jesus tells did you notice that there was rejoicing and of course this is our month of celebration and I thought that it would be good for us to focus on these parables in Luke chapter 15 where there is rejoicing and there is celebrating now last week, as I said earlier, we had our Harvest Thanksgiving and our dedication service, a time of celebration. And at the end of the month, on the 29th of October, we will be, God willing, celebrating new members in the church and also having our Alpha Course Celebration meal. So there's a lot for us as a church to celebrate. Perhaps, but perhaps you're here this morning and you think to yourself, well, what have I got to celebrate in my life? Maybe it's not your birthday today. Maybe it's not a a significant anniversary or anything like that. And maybe if you're honest, life is just a little bit difficult for you at the moment, a bit of a struggle. And you just don't feel like rejoicing or or celebrating because life is a little bit tough. And then we might look at our world and we see what's happening in our world and in the Middle East or, or we look at Ukraine. And we might wonder because there's pain, isn't there? And there's violence and there's darkness. What is there to rejoice in? What is there to celebrate at this time? Well, in these well-known parables, hopefully we will see something to celebrate and something to celebrate today. Now, one of the keys to these parables is really found in the first few verses. Because in the first couple of verses, we see who it is that Jesus is telling these parables to. So the first verse tells us that tax collectors, who in Jesus' day were known to be corrupt and dishonest, and other notorious sinners, I love how it's translated in the NLT, We're coming to listen to Jesus teach. Tax collectors, notorious sinners. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law clearly don't think this is a good thing. And so they complain that Jesus is associating with these notorious sinners and even eating with them. You notice that? That's what it said in our passage. Now in that culture, you have to remember that to eat with someone, was a major thing it was a sign of fellowship and a sign of acceptance that's why Zacchaeus do you remember Zacchaeus the story of Zacchaeus the tax collector who was small in stature remember Zacchaeus was desperate to see Jesus what did he have to do well he climbed up a tree to see Jesus and then Jesus came his direction. And Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Now, what was Jesus coming to Zacchaeus' house for? He was coming to eat. It was a sign of fellowship. It was a sign of acceptance, of coming together. And, of course, Zacchaeus is thrilled when Jesus invites himself to his house to eat with him. Now, therefore... Before we even look at these parables this morning, there are some important things going on here, aren't there? You see, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they clearly think that if Jesus is a rabbi, if Jesus is someone who is special, then he should be spending time who with? Well, with righteous people. That's what they're thinking. That's their default, isn't it? Jesus, why are you spending this time with tax collectors and notorious sinners? You should be spending time with people like us. People who are righteous, i.e. the respectable. You see, they're really surprised, aren't they? And indeed shocked that he's spending time with tax collectors and not just sinners, but notorious sinners. Notorious sinners. Now, the reasons for this is that by associating with such sinners then they probably think that Jesus himself will become unclean. Don't spend time with them, you'll become unclean. That somehow the the sin of the sinners will rub off on Jesus. But of course we know, don't we, that the opposite is true. Because instead of sin rubbing off on Jesus as if it were contagious, we know that Jesus is the one who brings cleansing and wholeness. He makes us clean. And so Jesus is telling these parables in response to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are complaining about who Jesus is spending time with. They're basically saying to Jesus, Look, you're wasting your time. Why are you spending time with notorious sinners? And their sin will just rub off on you anyway. That's basically what they're saying. And so in response to that, Jesus tells these parables. And we'll look at these first two today. Now as we saw with the children, the first concerns a man who has a hundred sheep, but one of them gets lost. And Jesus asks the question, what will the man do if one gets lost? Surely, he looks for it. And Jesus says that the shepherd will leave the 99 and go and look for the one until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully carries it home, calls his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost sheep. And Jesus says that there is more, more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, of course, the next parable, the parable of the lost coin, has a similar message. Ten coins, one is lost. When the lost coin is found, the woman calls friends and neighbors to rejoice because the lost coin has been found. And Jesus says in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now what are we to make of these well-known parables? You see, it's true, isn't it? That Jesus turns everything upside down. Upside down to the way that we commonly think about things. I was reading something this week that in Jesus' parables, grace is terrible maths. Grace is terrible maths. That will suit the math teachers here today. Because if you think about it, you think of the stories that Jesus tells. One, a one-hour worker gets the same pay as a 12-hour worker. A widow's two pennies are worth more than huge sums of money. And here, one sheep gets more attention than ninety-nine, and one coin more than the other nine. Grace is terrible, maths. You see, it's important, isn't it, that we don't necessarily focus upon the ninety-nine or the nine. This isn't about whether Jesus is saying that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are righteous or not. These parables are really about the one. They're really about the one. It's about the lost sheep. It's about the lost coin. You see, Jesus is answering the question, the complaint As to why he would spend time with tax collectors and notorious sinners. And the reason of course is because it's for these very people that Jesus has come. For these very people that Jesus has come. You see the inference from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Is that the people that Jesus spends time with are not worth his time. They're so far beyond that there is no point But Jesus is showing that these are the very people that he has come for. Indeed, as he says elsewhere in Luke chapter 5, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And Jesus has come for the sick. He's come for the ones who have gone astray. You see, the attitude of the Pharisees is, don't go after that one sheep, you've got 99 there. Why bother with that lost one? But Jesus' attitude is to go and to look and to search until the lost sheep is found. And when that lost sheep is found, or the lost coin, there is joy. There is rejoicing. Because that which was lost has now been found. Now there are a few things I want to think about from this most familiar of passages today. The first is the fact that Jesus being unlike the Pharisees is good news. Is good news. You see, sometimes people get the mistaken idea that being a Christian is only for the respectable. Or only for the do-gooder. When in actual fact, Jesus is for anyone. Anyone who is a lost sinner you see it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what you've done in the past god longs for you to come to him he seeks after you and the wonderful thing is that when that lost sinner repents turns to god there is rejoicing in heaven there is celebration sometimes we might think in our life oh you know I'm so grateful that God has reached out to me. But do you know, it's almost as if you know, you've know you had to force God's hand and God's kind of, oh, I suppose I'll let you in. You know, sometimes think that. ah, oh, you know, uh, not great, but uh, okay. That's not what happens. For the lost sinner, there is rejoicing. And if you're a lost sinner today who's put your faith and trust in Jesus, who's repented and put your faith in Jesus... There is rejoicing in heaven over you coming to salvation. That's quite a thought, isn't it? That's not God just saying, oh, that's God going, yes, come on, in you come. It's wonderful to have you as part of my family, the family of God. God longs for you to come to him. And there is celebration, celebration. So whoever you are, whatever you have done in your life, God is seeking after you. And he longs for you to repent and to put your faith and trust in him. Have you done that today? Maybe you're here in church for the first time. Maybe the first time for a while. Maybe you've been coming to church for years. But you've never taken that step. Of repenting, saying, God, I'm sorry for the stuff that I've done in my life. I realize it's not honored you, but I want to change my life. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. And I want to start a new life once more. Have you done that today? God is looking for you. He wants you to come to him. Now, the second thing here today is that we, if we are a Christian here today, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, then we must be careful that we don't have the attitude of the Pharisees. Because sometimes we can consciously or subconsciously think that there are people who are beyond Jesus' grasp, who are just lost causes. You know, God can reach out to certain people, but he can't reach out to them. There's just no way. But how do we know? what God is doing in someone's life or in their heart. You see, it should be a cause of amazement to us and the people that God has chosen to draw into his kingdom. So as you're sat here this morning, look to your left and look to your right and think, well, that's amazing. How come they're in the kingdom? But then look at yourself because others are looking at you thinking how amazing it is that they've come into the kingdom. It's quite a thought, isn't it? Who would have thought that we would have come into the kingdom? You see, the reality is that none of us are the 99. We're all the one. None of us are righteous in and of ourselves. Only Jesus is the one who's sinless. We all need a savior. And so we can't sit here this morning thinking, I am righteous. I'll be absolutely fine. I'll just trust in my own goodness. If that's you this morning, you're in mortal danger. But if we are a Christian here today, it should be an amazing revelation to us that God has accepted us. He has changed us. And he's given us new life. Who would have thought we'd come into the kingdom? And yet God has looked for us and drawn us in. And the last thing today is this. When a lost sinner repents, there is joy. Do you notice that? There is joy. There's rejoicing. I'm really looking forward to the 29th of October when we look at the lost son because it's a brilliant party that they have then. There is rejoicing. You see, it's a wonderful and amazing thing when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. There's a party in heaven going on. And if there's a party going on in heaven, should there not be also a party going on here on earth? Does that know what church is? As we gather together on a Sunday morning, should it not be a celebration? Christians coming together thinking how wonderful it is that God has chosen us to be part of His family, to be part of the kingdom. You see, so often we come to, to church, we'll be like gloomy, you know, oh, life's hard, it's difficult. And it is hard, and it is difficult at times. But the whole purpose of us coming together is to encourage one another. That when Gilmer starts playing and the organ and the praise group start playing, we think, Yes. We can sing together and we can pray together and we can gather around God's word together because God is alive and Jesus loves me. As there is joy in heaven, so there should be joy here on earth. You see, when you trust in the Lord for the first time, there is joy. But also when we see the change in other people's lives, as they are changed by their faith, in the Lord Jesus, then we ought also to rejoice. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? When you've been a Christian, you've been praying for someone, and they come to faith in Jesus, and it's like, yes, they too know the joy of salvation. So this morning, are you in the mood to celebrate? And if you're not, then why not? Is it because you haven't accepted Jesus as your saviour? Is it because you don't really understand that Jesus is waiting for you? He's looking for you. That you might come to him. We ought to be people who rejoice. And to celebrate and to marvel at all that the Lord has done. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Lord God, these parables are so familiar to us today. And so familiar that we don't want them just to wash over us. We don't want to rob them of their power. We recognize that Jesus told these stories. To the Pharisees, the teachers of the law who wondered why Jesus spent time with tax collectors and notorious sinners and the reason was that Jesus wanted to reach out to them with the gospel of grace that they too might come into the kingdom Father as we come to you this morning We pray that we would not make the mistake of thinking that we are righteous, that we are respectable. Because as we look at our own lives, we recognize that there are all, there are things that we are all ashamed of. Times we always, that we have let you down. Father, we too are notorious sinners. We too are lost sheep. But Father, we thank you that you don't just leave us to our own devices. You don't just write us off. But you actively search for us. Until you find us. And until you bring us home. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know the joy of their salvation who has not repented and put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Father, give them the courage to do that today. To know that you are real. To know that you love them. And you want to show grace and mercy to them. Father, may there be rejoicing in heaven at one sinner who repents today. Father, if we're here this morning and we have trusted in the Lord Jesus for our salvation, but Father, we've maybe lost our joy. Perhaps we've got a bit dry in our faith. Father, we pray that we would be amazed once more by your grace, your amazing grace, which saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And Father, as we take those words to heart, may we recognize that you rejoice that we have come to you. Help us to share that joy with others around us and help us to rejoice too when others put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, We ask that you would speak to us through your word today and that we might be moved by your word into action. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.